0: You're listening to Managing Leadership Anxiety, Yours and Theirs, a podcast offered in partnership with Miss You Alliance. Each episode, we discuss internal and relational pressures, how they block effective leadership, and how we can move through them to a greater health. And now your
1: host, Steve Kills. All right, folks, welcome to another episode. And uh, this one's a special treat. I've got my old compadre and uh, former host, Brendan Reed, with me today. How's it going, everybody? And I say former because Brendan is still as involved in uh, the whole MLA world as ever. But um, as his role and responsibility had picked up at church, and actually as I've asked him to do more with MLA at church, uh, I've taken on more of the podcast side of things. You're helping right now. You're facilitating. Facilitating my first own group this year. Yeah, with uh, genograms and stuff. Yep, all the whole nine yards. So here's what we're doing today, guys. Uh, the podcast is coming right up on its two-year anniversary, even though we're in season five. Um, as I've joked about it, our seasons are like HBO seasons where like What's there's good? three episodes a season <laughs> or something. But we're actually we're not even two years old as a show, and it was you and I that cooked this up in the early days, and once in a while we would get on the mics together to talk about things. Mm-hmm. This season... The, the simple fact is I've had so many amazing guests that have been willing to come on. We just haven't gotten around to right. sitting down. So I thought it would be neat uh, just to look back on a couple of years and then to look back a little bit on our COVID era and figure out what we've both been learning lately. So let's rewind. It was November 2018 when we launched the show. We That's had, crazy. Yeah. Our first guest, Marshall Shelley, Kay Warren, Makoto <laughs> Fujimura. Some bad audio. If I remember yeah, right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We were still learning how to, or I was still learning, I should say, how to do quality audio. Oh, man. Um, can you remember back that far on how your life was and what kind of where you're at with emotional health and spiritual health?
0: Yeah, I think I was, I'd just gotten married that year, I think. And, and it was 2018, you said, mm-hmm, right? Yeah, i just yeah. gotten married, figuring out the whole marriage thing. So I emotionally health. I thought I was healthy. You know how we tell people you're never going to arrive where you're at. Right. For some reason, I had it in my head that I was at a healthy point. And I think this year with COVID and all that fun stuff that we've been dealing with out here, I think I realized that I was at a place for me to learn how to become healthier. Like it wasn't a full health place, and you never get to there. When we say you say that all the time, you, you never get to the fully understand how everything works. But yeah. I thought I was healthy at that point and I was healthier than I was before. before like there, yeah. there was definitely some improvement, I think, with the way that I handled myself. But yeah, I mean, I was just excited to be a part of getting the whole thing off the ground in some in some ways. So it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And let's think. So, okay, as you're getting healthier, was there one particular tool or one approach that you found most helpful in everything we teach? Um, yeah, there's a couple. Um, we've, I think you and I have done
0: some past episodes on them together. Um, one of my all-time favorites is Second Order Change. That one's really... I, I've, I've implemented it a lot in my life. Um, I've helped other people walk through stuff using it. And then I think genograms still, to this day, are a pretty helpful tool that still has an impact on me. I mean, we just got done doing our first round of genograms in the class, and it even made me reflect back on... Like, okay, what do I, um, let me go back and look at this. There, I feel like this might be something I'm, be, I'm missing. And then verbatims. Like, I, I just did another verbatim because I somehow missed out on the second year uh, class that we have. Uh-huh. And so I jumped into that one this year to start doing it. And verbatims are still a pretty effective yeah, tool for me. How many verbatims are you doing in year two? Oh, man, five or six. Renee, please, uh... Please forgive me for not remembering.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think you're doing, I think that's right. I think you're doing about five five verbatims each student. All right, so you've mentioned three tools. Why don't we cover them real quickly? So you mentioned second-order change, mm-hmm. genograms, and verbatims. Uh, the thing that comes to mind for me with second-order change is it doesn't solve problems, it solves recurring problems that keep happening. Correct. Yeah, and that the way you know that it's a recurring problem is your attempted solutions. Right, they don't work. Yeah, say more about that.
0: Um, I'll give you a a real life example. During COVID, after our first lockdown happened, um, I started realizing aspects of people in my family needed to change. Um, And I'd been trying to talk about them. I'd been trying to uh, change how those interactions went. And it took almost a, a blow up. To get to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm not doing this anymore. How do I? How would I approach this from a second order change matter? Okay, I've been trying to talk about this too much. I've been trying to do more of the same exact thing over and over again, and it's not fixing the problem. Okay, I'm going to have to put my foot down. Here's here's what I'm going to do: is hey, I need to either you 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 either need to come to counseling with me, or we just can't have a relationship. We're jumping right into it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that was the extreme level of second order change in my personal life that propelled me to start working health and become healthier. And just the impact that that family dynamic has on everything and realizing that I had been doing it backwards, I think for a couple of years is, man, I, I needed to... Try to fix the family system that I was in, change the way the family system was working before implementing it really into the workplace. And I was doing it the complete opposite. Oh, right. And yeah. it just wasn't working. And so that's the second order change really helped me kind of figure out how do I need, what do I need to do to make this different than it was. So yeah, that's there's a the, lot of stuff there. Sorry about that. Steve. No,
1: that's good. Yeah. So, so when we're coaching people in second order change, we usually try to start with getting the con- the problem as concrete as possible. But for our listeners. If you're wondering, what the heck is this? Because I don't expect that all our listeners have heard all these episodes. Right. But we do have previous episodes. Brent and I go quite deeply into second order change. But the reason you know you need it is if you're in a predictable recurring pattern with somebody that you don't like. Not that you don't like the person, that you don't like the pattern. Right. And so if you find yourself in a problem that's predictable and recurring, then I found the most powerful question that I've been asking people as I coach them on it is... Um, Name everything you're doing to solve it that isn't working. Right. <laughs> and it just just that question, it kind of makes you pause. You feel like an idiot, but it makes you pause. And then you actually start listing, here's everything I'm trying to do, and it's either not working or it's making it worse. Right. And that's really the beginning then of, of this deeper thing called second-order change. And we have a podcast episode on it, guys, and then I write about it. Um, so you can chase that on your own. You can even Google it. Oh, yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. All right. So then the next tool you mentioned is the genogram. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, what's interesting, my journey over the two years is I'm learning the longer I'm teaching, the more I need to simplify things. So I've come to, to ask people about, before we ever talk about genograms, I'll just say to them, what's one trait from your family that helps you in your life? And what's one trait you've inherited that gets in the way? And that's really kind of a genogram question.
0: Just to build off some of this a bit, it's been helpful recently to me Because after I got done facilitating the genogram this year with the class, I jumped back on one of those family tree websites that they have all over the place. Um, And I had been building one on there for a while. Um, And I went back and I started finding some stories that either people are posted, there was articles linked to. One specific one was a death happening to like one of my great, great grandfathers that noticing how this death happened, it was a very tragic death and how... That death possibly had an impact on family characteristic traits that have been passed on through my family and not catching that before. Um, and so, like, if you've done a genogram once, even going back a second or third time, you'll still notice stuff that you're like, oh, my gosh, here's a pattern. How 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 does this how has this impacted me even growing up,
1: you know? That's really good, so. yeah. Uh, we recently had Pete Scazzaro on the show. He was a blast. And he's, in, in a lot of ways, for church, he's kind of the godfather of oh, genograms. Yes. And he normally has his congregation do them multiple times, like the church members <laughs> do. He, he got his doctorate in family systems theory and his specialty was taking the genogram off the therapy couch and trying to make it applicable into the life of the congregation. We actually got into it on the episode where he talked about all the flack he got from therapists saying, this is this power tool, you shouldn't be using it. All right. But he'd probably be a great model of someone who actually has, I know his staff, they'll do it like three times wow. and each time they'll come at it from a different angle. So it is, it's one of those things you do like once and you keep learning from. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to ask you about is you've jumped from student to like not observer, but you were kind of co-leading with me. Mm-hmm. Now the weight's on your shoulders, like your group, their experience is now dependent on your skill. What's that been like?
0: That's a little intimidating sometimes. Um, I, I think I'm always worried about people getting a good experience out of something and learning as much as I have. Yeah. And so there's that weight on there where it's like, oh, man, am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to say the wrong thing? And I've learned through this experience so far that uh, even when I was with you, as I was learning from you to do this stuff in classes, that oftentimes if... You don't have anything good to say. That's okay because somebody else might have some insight that you haven't noticed before. Yeah, And I, I think relying on other people in a group setting to help you figure things out. And I think that's why it's so important that you need to be doing this stuff in groups with people. Yeah. Is that more than one perspective helps you see truth and uh, figure out issues and problems that, and patterns that you might not have noticed before. And I'm like, I learned just as much from the students that I have as they do for me, like it's symbiotic relationship. I think every teacher in the world probably says that.
1: Yeah. But it, that's very true, I feel like. It's been super fun. Like I've, I've tried over since COVID to put some of these tools online. So for our listeners, like the podcast was born out of a book I wrote, Managing Leadership Anxiety. The book was born out of the class that Brendan and I are teaching about. That we've been doing at our church, I think it's nine years. That's crazy. And it's a two-year class. I run year one, and then a lady named Renee Loring runs year two. I think Jimmy co-leads with her mm-hmm. with the Enneagram stuff. And what we've tried to do is figure out how in the world do we bring this online for people. So this summer during COVID, I started verbatim groups online. Haven't figured out Genogram groups yet but let's talk about a verbatim and then I'll just share a bit about what it's like. You, you share what it's like in the room and I'll share what it's been like on Zoom. So, okay, one way I would describe a verbatim is it's, it's, a, it's a tool that helps you stop showing up the same darn way every time. Yep. It's kind of like when you're tired of getting, you're tired of meeting yourself all the time the same way. Same triggers make you anxious, same things make you angry. How would you describe it?
0: Um, I, I'm, that's pretty spot on. I, I think it's almost like a case study, like a medical case study in not necessarily disease that you have, but like a medical case study of your interaction with the world around you and how you respond to it.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: I, I mean, the whole way it's broken down, if you guys don't know, is... You think back to a conversation, more than likely, it needs to be a tough conversation that you've had with somebody, a conversation that you remember like every word in detail from, because those are the best ones, I feel like, yeah. the ones that you keep playing over and over in your head. And you do like a, you do your own case study of it almost where you answer a couple of questions about it. What were you thinking and feeling? And then you actually write out verbatim, word for word, what was said in the conversation. And then you have a little section where it's your thought process of what you were thinking while you were saying this stuff. And then you go back through and then you talk about, hey, what would you like to learn from this? What would you like to change about the way that you interacted with somebody? And you basically give this to the everybody in the classroom or and everybody on Zoom. And they you just read through the whole thing like you're given a little speech or a little talk. And then everybody starts to dissect patterns that they notice with the way that you've been interacting with people in, in that argument. Super helpful. Yeah. <laughs> They're also really tough, too. Like, when you're in the hot seat, you are in the hot seat. Yeah, it feels pretty vulnerable, for uh-huh. sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I like that description. I think I think that's right. It's helping people observe themselves. It's not a mulligan. It's not about how would you do it better. Right. It's like, how do you show up so next time maybe you can show up a little different? hmm What's interesting is the biggest objection I get to verbatims is people say, I could never remember word for word what happens. Oh, yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's normally because they've not sat quietly for 30 minutes to think of it.
0: Yeah. I And you're not, I mean, you don't get it like 100% word for right. word. Right. But I think you still remember the gist of the exact interaction, and it 's obviously going to be one sided because it 's from your point of view it 's
1: actually meant to be one sided right absolutely, yeah, so the group isn 't actually looking for objective truth of what really happened. The meaning you made out of what happened is what what we 're trying to get to the bottom of
0: right yeah and what 's this is I think this is funny i 've even noticed that and you 've talked about it before with me is like people sometimes take on the role of the other person. When, when you're doing a verbatim, yeah. like it's like, what the heck is happening? Yeah. It's like somebody gets defensive of the other person who's part of the problem in that situation. It's just really weird how that happens. It's
1: crazy, yeah. So for our listeners, a verbatim ends up being like a group experience. If there's five or six people, one person's presenting. And I was taught this in chaplaincy when I did my verbatims. They they always said, just be careful that the group doesn't reenact the verbatim subconsciously. Right. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and it does happen from time, particularly with newbies. Right. I think once you've had a few verbatims under your belt, you know not to do it. But right. new people who want to fix or give you helpful advice. Um, yeah, so I launched a verbatim group. I'm trying to think. I think it was in August. And it was five guys and uh, on Zoom all over the country. And they're all pastors. I'm trying to think executive pastors, associate, and lead pastors. And I wasn't sure how it would go virtually. And because... Again, for our listeners, a lot of the magic of the verbatim is the group dynamic, same with the genogram, like being able to watch someone else's genogram, you actually learn about your own family, yep, same with the verbatim, and so I wasn't sure how it would go. It's gone so well that's crazy and, yeah what's interesting is is my particular verbatim group is quite a diverse group of characters, different faith traditions, I mean they're all Christian, but high church, low church, mega church, tiny church. And wow. man, um, these are like become a band of brothers.
0: That's crazy. Really cool. That's awesome. Did you set ground rules for people not to talk over each other like classic Zoom meetings happen sometimes?
1: Yeah. So just like we do in our actual class, I start every verbatim group reminding us of the ground rules. <laughs> and it is, it, it's mostly men that, that wrestle with it because we want to be helpful and we think fixing is helpful. So I usually set those ground rules. Um, but also what I noticed is a lot of people are so afraid of doing it wrong in the early verbatims they have to be cajoled to share. Mm. Cause they just don't want to do damage or something.
0: But Right. That's awesome. It's going well. How how like you said they become like a band of brothers, but how has that group action interaction started? Like you said, it was a little bit shy at first or mm-hmm. How, how did you get them to get comfortable with each other to start sharing the verbatim? Because I feel like it's different to be in a set classroom with people that you don't know because you're in human interaction and contact. Yeah. Like, do you feel like the Zoom format is a way for
1: people to put a shield up in front of themselves? To I, I wonder if it might have been before COVID, but we, we did one session where I did some teaching. And then the very next week, one of the guys presented his verbatim. Wow. And I just think it was someone brave. And I'll call him David. So then David presents a verbatim where he's pretty vulnerable. And I think that really, that set the tone. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, these, these like, there was a couple of moments where I either sat back and watched them pastoring each other in amazing ways. Mm. And then there was moments where I would openly ask one of them, I'd say, you know, hey, Charles, I really think maybe you've got a word for David. And then Charles is, like, talking to him about the grace of God. It was, like, really powerful. Wow. Yeah. And and what I enjoyed is is you always, like you said, like it is that cliche, you always learn from the group. So I, I don't think this is betraying confidence because, you know, no one really knows who is in this particular group. But we had one pastor, he just felt like he was drowning with his workload in COVID. Hmm. And he was also drowning with self-expectation. An expectation of his congregation, and so we took this drowning metaphor. We went twenty or thirty minutes. Wow! And we said, "What's the opposite of drowning?" And so all these guys are like, "Well, breathing." Okay. Well, how can you get some air? And we we kind of really stretched the metaphor. It was really powerful. Getting in the boat, letting someone rescue you. We all these pastors, man. You guys just probably hammered home on those metaphors. We're good with metaphors. We're good. We're all we're all writing. (laughs) preaching we're gonna preach this one oh, my word. but it was really powerful to watch the guys all exploring okay he's drowning he needs to no longer be drowning and we thought we got to the end of it because we had breathing getting in the boat someone throwing you a, a rope and then one of the guys i couldn't it was such a powerful member he said you know the other opposite of drowning is dying oh man because once you're dead you're no longer drowning and then they said why don't you just kill off that old pastor like Oh, man. Like all that expectation, all that pressure, just kill it. And now Jesus will resurrect a new pro- post-COVID pastor. And this is all from a verbatim? Verbatim. That's crazy. And it was, this, it was one of my students who said, you know, there's—and and here's, what, here's, here's what I couldn't believe. He said to the guy, when Jesus rose from the dead, there were some ways he was different and some ways he was the same. Hmm. So they didn't recognize him, but he was still familiar. So just because you're going to kill off old— blank, you know, Charles, let's call him, you'll still be Charles. Hmm. It was a beautiful, I was like, whoa. Wow. And I'm just there trying to keep up. So. Wow.
0: That's technology. I'm glad we have it, man, right now. That's yeah. crazy. I would not have thought that that would have been a an avenue for people to get really connected. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. Are, are you planning on trying to, I think, get people connected uh, via Zoom meetings like that for specific tools?
1: Yeah, I've been on a I've been on a real learning journey the last six months. So book came out in April of 2019. COVID hit in March of 2020. And it feels like my world blew up. My pastoring world of discovery blew up and my MLA world blew up. And discovery, which we're both in this together. Like right. we have suddenly had to figure out how to be church. Almost, it feels like we've almost planted a church. I know. It's, that's crazy. Yeah. I, I feel like we've planted a church with an amazing staff that gets our DNA and some amazing people at the church. But the the criticism I faced has picked up massively um, on whether we should meet or not, whether we should wear masks or not. Uh, I speak up on Black Lives Matter. I've been getting a lot of flack on that. Hmm. So that's been interesting. In the MLA world, it's been different. It's been a lot of groups wanting me to do something for 2 or 3 hours, sometimes 1 hour, where I come and visit their team or maybe I host a webinar or something like that, which is a lot of work for uh, everything else that's going on too. Yeah, it's been it's been work for me. It's really been fun, but yeah, it's the so my MLA work has picked up massively. And so I was doing these random things. In fact, the the two day workshop that we did together, yeah, right in before March, COVID, right? The day COVID <laughs> shut the country <laughs> That's down. What he got. Oh man, yeah. So I, I've in August, I I kind of took a pause, and my wife and I went away, and we did a lot of praying, and we got some good guidance from some business leaders, and we're trying to figure out. Okay, we, we've done a two day thing. I've done a few two day things actually, not just for Discovery, but. We've done two-hour things. I've done a 30-minute thing. I did a book club that was six weeks online. And they were all great. And in fact, the business guy that gave me feedback, he's like, your problem is they've all gone well and you've enjoyed all of them. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I love talking about it. Like, I love when people catch on and... But what I realized is what I was really trying to do is I'm trying to still figure out how do I replicate our class.
0: Right. Which is beyond helpful. Like you even talking about the verbatim thing, just like that's a, the impact that's had on those guys. Like that's crazy.
1: Game changer. Yeah. So I spent August like, okay, what is it I'm offering online? What is it we offer on the class? And how can I replicate the class online? So yeah, so in 2021, I think this episode comes out October, early November, I'm going to launch an online community and there's going to be a free option for people and there's going to be a paid option. The paid option is going to be like 25, 28 bucks a month. I think it'll land at 28 for nonprofits and 38 for business people. And we're going to do our best to uh, replicate as best we can the experience in our class.
0: Steve, what's the time commitment for something like this?
1: Right. So that's the difference with the class. So the class is two hours every other week. Right. And we just realized the average person doesn't have that kind of time. So I'm actually mapping out, I think it's 40 video teachings for 2021, maybe 45. And there'll be no more than 15 minutes. The average video will be eight to 10 minutes. And I'll just deliver them to your inbox once a week. So you'll get a video teaching from me or a guest once a week. You'll get a self-assessment of just some simple questions to reflect. Then you'll get access to an online confidential discussion forum. We're not going to use Facebook or Slack. We're actually going to use a dedicated online forum where you can discuss with others. And then every month, you're going to get to Zoom with one of the facilitators like you or Renee or Jimmy for now we'll be training more facilitators. So the idea is you're on the go, you're busy. What I also know about a lot of leaders, you're lonely right now. Right. You're facing more pressure than ever. So if we can give you just like a little 10 minute thing every week where you can learn a tool and then you've got a week to put it into practice, then once a month you get on a Zoom with a facilitator and other people, you get to talk about it, you get to interact. Every other month we'll do like a deeper masterclass. And you can choose as much or as little as that as you want. So the free version I think is like a video a month, and the online forum. Hmm. And then the paid version is a video a week, online forum, monthly zooms. And then I'm not sure yet whether we'll have to charge for the masterclasses. If we do, it's like ten bucks. Otherwise, they might be included too. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'm launching. I'm really it's, it's been a lot of work. My wife and, and that's I've been working Yeah, that's what it's going to be. And we're not going to call it MLA. We decided to broaden it. Uh, What are you going to call it? Yeah, so it's going to be called The Capable Life. C-A-P and capable is calm, aware, present, and then able is what's left. So it's The Calm, Aware, Present, Able Life. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have a Venn diagram for that? I know. i got to get a Venn. (laughs) I love Venn diagrams. (laughs) But I, we were just thinking well m l a like it's a great starter I think m l a will be the first year and a half or two years of this material, mm-hmm. but we also wanted to cast a vision for something less reactive, like what do you want to become right and so many leaders right now are spun up, so and we have tools to help you be calm in anxiety we're trying to help you become aware right and, and this I think this helps
0: you get connected because I think the danger, and and you've talked about this just before we started doing this episode, is that people come to the workshop, they come to the, the little conference or seminar that you're doing, and then they're excited about it and they want to have life change to happen, but then, okay, you don't have anybody talked about it anymore, and so then it just kind of drops off the map for you. Right. And this is a way for people to actively
1: engage with individuals who are practicing this on a daily basis. That's the plan. Yeah, like, like the two-hour stuff I do, I just know it feels like I've just opened a door and let them peek into a world. Then the right. two-day, like we did that two-day workshop, and just to be frank, we got overwhelmingly positive feedback. People right. loved it. But we still know the, the class magic is the slow, steady drip over time. Right. So, yeah, I've really designed this community to be, you, can, you know, we've tried to make it affordable for anyone's church budget. We're trying to make it to where, like, if you're lonely as a leader, why don't you grab three or four friends and join together? And then we're providing you shared language to talk about, like you right. can actually form your own in-person community. And then um, guys like you, Brendan, and Renee and Jimmy, uh, that people will get to know in the podcast in 2021, you'll be available both for these Zoom calls. But then if people want private coaching in right. groups, you could, you could run them in a verbatim group, for example. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm really excited about the opportunities. We're going to only open up the first channel for pastors, church staff, and Christian nonprofit leaders. I've cajoled my wife, the, the Mrs. Cuss, who's a, is a therapist. <laughs> She's promising to give us just six or eight tools for parents. Mm. So it's, we're not going to open up a parenting channel, but if you happen to be a parent, you'll get some bonus materials there. I'm going to do some spontaneous Zooms through the year where I'll just jump on the community on like a Thursday and say, hey, I'm going to do a Zoom on Monday, and anyone who wants to join me um, to kick around some ideas. So right now, I'm working on some tools on the inner critic. Hmm. And so I'll be kind of researching and developing those tools with the community. We're opening up 200 slots at a beta price. So at the risk of this sounding like an infomercial, we just wanted our podcast community to hear about it first. It's going to be $22 a month for Lifetime. So... If you want in on this and you're listening to this, I've got, I think it's about 117 slots left. We're doing 200 slots. So I've got over half left, but I also haven't really pushed it. So if you want to be just considered for the beta, uh, you can email. It doesn't mean you're committing to it. Just email steve at stevecusswords.com. Otherwise, you can just Google my name, Steve Cuss, and find me on social media and PM me on Twitter or something. But I'll send you info in a couple of weeks and let you know what's involved in beta. Uh, but that'd be the benefit—you get a lower kind of lifetime price. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's what we're looking at launching. And you're um, you were talking
0: upstairs a little bit ago about uh, having people ask questions in these online forums, and then you actually addressing those questions either there or on the podcast itself. Is that
1: is That's that right? right? Yeah, it's one of the other benefits of being in a class is you get to bring your case studies. You get to say, "Hey, Brendan, like I've got this situation." And so we're trying to think, okay, how do we offer that on the membership? Mm -hmm. So on the discussion forum, there'll be a place to submit questions. And then probably starting in 2021, we'll address probably two questions a week on the podcast. And then we'll address some on the Zoom calls with you guys. But we can get through a few hundred questions, we think, in a year. That's amazing. Through those formats. So yeah, so the the podcast, I'm still going to have... My guest lineup. I'm still going after some big guests for 2021. That's not going to change. But before we get to the guest, I'll either address questions or I'll bring you on or Renee or Jimmy or Tom's coming up through the pipeline. Woo-hoo. Yeah. So one of our facilitators will address the question. Uh, I was telling you before we recorded, our first question came in from Kenya because uh, we have a global audience on this podcast. We're in like it's crazy. 60 countries or something. That's yeah, crazy. It's just nuts. And so this Kenyan pastor emailed this question. So we're going to go visit our local Kenyan friend, Wilfred, and uh, I've already Great asked guy. him. And Wilfred's like, oh, I'll address that question. So uh, that, that'll That's be exciting. My first question will be for Kenya. But, uh.
0: So people get information, you already said this, by emailing you directly, or do you have it up anywhere else they can grab the I info? I don't
1: even have like a landing page yet. That's how This, this is fresh, fresh, people. This is so fresh. This is fresh. hot off the press. I'll have, by December, I'll have a landing page. I'll get my act together. These business people that are helping me are uh, kicking my butt. Uh, it's just stuff I'm not very good at. But yeah, right now they can email me personally, steve at com, or they can just find me on Twitter, Instagram, and message me, and I'll put you on the beta list. And then they'll be hearing from me about mid-November on what's next. We'll launch in January.
0: Wonderful. Well, I hope to see some of you guys on there. It'd be fun to interact with people from all over the country. And I enjoy doing this just as much as Steve does. And it's been a life changer for me, and I know it's been a life changer for you. So hopefully it's an avenue for people to get unstuck and start managing what's going on inside themselves and others and just create some life change around each other. So that's exciting.
1: Yeah, I think part of what has us so excited about the community is just talking about it helps. Right. So many people I'm talking to right now, they're just, it's kind of heartbreaking. They literally have no one to talk to. Hmm. So just as we close, Brendan, uh, if you're thinking your average faith leader, whether they work in the church or outside the church, they're a person of faith, that leading something, and they're kind of feeling on the edge, like COVID has worn them out. What uh, what best practices have you found to really take care of your soul? Um, our
0: life-giving lists. Like uh, looking back through a, a list which I made that's one of the tools that uh, is just a way for you to... Kind of do your own personal worship in a sense. Um, And one of those for me is you actually turning me on to fly fishing. Like for me to get the opportunity to go up. Granted, when there's not forest fires going on right now. We're going together on Sunday. Yeah, we're going together on Sunday. Um, To get up and just get in the water. Something about being amongst nature. And I think just, man, trout. Like just, I don't know, it's hard to describe. Like you just have to, (laughs) you just have to be there and do it. I think that's been one during the COVID era that I've, I've really kind of leaned into. And then this is really kind of funny. I, I really, Kelsey and I, my wife and I really enjoy board games. Yeah. We have a lot of board games. And so when we have the opportunity to play a fun two-player board game, which are really hard to find, by the way, that's really life-giving for me is to get the chance just to sit and laugh and kind of distract myself from everything that's going around between forest fires and COVID. So, That's awesome. (laughs) What about you, Steve?
1: I could add to the list. I'm going to answer the question by just saying most people hear about the life-giving list and so many of them never actually work it. Right. So I would just say it's worth taking an hour or two and getting at least 20 things on your list mm-hmm. and then scheduling them. So I oh, love, yeah. like, that's what I'm hearing from you is the intentionality about oh,
0: yeah. it. Yeah. You have to put it on your calendar. If you're if you're not a calendar person, you should be a calendar person, yeah. by the way,
1: but that can help alleviate your anxiety. Right. Yeah,
0: you're right. Put it on the calendar. You have to schedule it.
1: Yeah. I, I just found that when we get anxious, we start to feel doom. And if we've already done the work of making a life-giving list, all we have to do is pull it out and do something rather than It's almost like we lose that spontaneity when we're feeling anxious.
0: Right. And it helps to have somebody who's a spouse or a friend who knows this, and they can tell when you're getting to that point. And, like, I've actually had Kelsey tell me, you need to go fly fishing tomorrow. Right. Like, just not as a, do you need to do this thing, but just as a, you are in a spot where you probably need to go, you know, give yourself some life, give yourself some CPR. So, I think having somebody else to help you out with it, too, is helpful.
1: Good. Good. So... All right, folks, so The Capable Life, coming January 2021, Beta Group being formed now if you want to join. On that note, we'll wrap up and see you next week.
0: For more resources, visit stevecusswords.com or missyoualliance.org.